praise God. What an awesome time of worship and praise for our awesome King, Jesus. Wow. If I get through this message, it, it will be an awesome thing, quite, <laughs> quite honestly, because as PJ said, I have um, really been on my knees at different points. Even going through my notes yesterday, I was on my knees again. Um, I'm sure, like many of you, um, you've been moved to tears watching the news this week of what's going on in the Middle East and in Israel. And the tears, of course, if you have a heart for God at all and a heart for his people, you turn to prayer. Um, and really for months now, I've been thinking a lot about end times. Um, you know, for those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying. I'm sure many of you here have as well. It's almost like all roads lead to Rome. It doesn't matter what I read, what I listen to. Uh, it's pointing in that direction. They say Rome is the eternal city. <laughs> it isn't. But Jerusalem is. That's the thing. And as time progresses, the eyes of the world are going to increasingly be on Jerusalem. And I'm going to, well, I don't know how I'm going to unpack it, quite honestly. We're going to start in Matthew 24. Uh, verses 1 to 14. Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives where one day he will return, that mountain will be divided from east to west, it says. The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when, oh Lord, I pray the Lord will help my emotions, honestly, because I could uh, go at any point. But anyway, I trust he will. When will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of, the, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, not many, most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. Finally, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end Will come. I'm sure you know this, but it's not going to get easier to be a Christian. <laughs> At times it isn't already, you know, our, our views on how life should be lived and what we believe are seem to be outdated and prejudiced by some. And that's going to be increasingly the case. Um, there's a scripture in Isaiah that says, the time will come when good will be evil and evil will be considered 
good. We're going to look at it in Isaiah 5, verses 20 and 25. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, if we could go back, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. I put it to you that we're in those days right now. Good is considered evil and evil good. And I don't have to unpack that anymore. You know, there are so many things, significant things and seemingly insignificant things that are considered good that God considers evil, and so must we, and vice versa. And if we are going to avoid being swept away with popular opinion and the culture of the day, really, we have to be on purpose Christians. Live the Christian life on purpose. Really have his goal as our goal, like that dart, head for the center of it. And um, this, I was watching the news this week, and it, it just... The next report that came on, you know how they say, and now for other news, you know, they've come off the kind of shock and awe of what's happening over there, and now for other news, and it went to the River Dee in Scotland, where a dam was being broken down so that Atlantic salmon could swim upstream to reproduce. Oh my gosh, and it really hit me like a train. I thought, blow me, that is a perfect picture of how we are to be. We're to swim against the current that is going to get more and more strong. We're to swim against that current upstream to reproduce spiritual babies, see the life of Jesus reproduced in other people's lives. And I put it to you, and you are fully well aware of this, it's not automatic. We will never slide into that position. The only way you ever slide is downstream, backwards. So we need to be on purpose Christians. Really live on purpose for his purpose. And that salmon, you know, is very goal-orientated. It's like every muscle in its body is straining to get upstream. Everything about it lives for the end goal, really. And um, this is a bit of an aside, but I had the thought, I turned off the TV and I had the thought, salmon leap, don't they? Salmon jump. Why do they leap? I Googled it. Why does salmon leap? Apparently, they leap to remove the parasites that attach themselves to their bodies and try to feed off them. And I thought, oh, come on. If the life of God is active in us, we will dislodge the enemy that tries to get a grip and slow us down or even pull us back. But the life of God needs to be active in us. Paul said this in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And you can hear the cry of the Spirit in that. He's taken hold of me. It's like Paul knew I'm in his hand, but 
he could still choose his own will, same as us, we're in his hand, but we can still choose our own will, or we can take hold of that for which he's taken hold of us. And that passion that he had, that motivation, it doesn't just fall on you. It doesn't happen because you turn up to church. It just doesn't, you know, there's no marks for attendance, if I can put it like that. Turning up to church, you will learn stuff, you'll get knowledge, but unless we apply it, there is no change. Um, I was reading earlier this morning, I just came across it in 2 Timothy 3, how it's talking again about end times, how people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it says always, attain, uh, always uh, receiving knowledge but never attaining it, always hearing but never does them no good. Because they don't apply it. And so what happens is we stay like spiritual babies. And spiritual babies basically do what they feel like doing. They act on impulse. Um, you don't need me to tell you, but emotions can get us into a lot of trouble. We've all got our own stories. But we don't have to live by how we feel, do we? That's the amazingness. Once you're born again, you have his ability to get a grip and let him lead, not how you feel. And, um, you know, your feelings may have wanted you to stay in bed this morning. I know as I was walking the dog early this morning, my neighbor was cooking bacon. I don't even like bacon, but I just thought, oh, what a nice idea, you know, a long, leisurely breakfast. And there's always this, oh, oh. but then it's like, no, do you know what, Jesus, well, obviously, I'm here because I'm doing the message this morning. I would be here anyway. But it's, you're worth it. You're so worth sacrificing that backward pull of the flesh for. Um, but you know, we need to know ourselves. It's really important to know yourself, to know your, the tendencies of your flesh, your weak spots, if I can put it like that. I know if I'm tired, I'm more tempted to be led by my emotions. It's good to recognize that about yourself. And how you feel, but we don't have to act on those feelings or those thoughts. A mature believer pauses at that point, exercises self-control, and says, do you know what? I'm still going his way. That's, right. yes. That's it. Yes. I'm set. We live carefully. Yes. I want to use that word carefully. If we look at Ephesians 5, verse 15, it says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. If we want to help ourselves follow Jesus, and it's a really good idea to do that, help yourself. Recognize the things that are going to not help you and recognize the things that are going to help you. We need to be careful. And actually, one of the de definitions of careful is watchful. Watch yourself. Supervise yourself, if I can put it that way. If you need somebody else to supervise you to make sure you do the will of God, that's not a great situation to be in. We need to supervise ourselves. You know, ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? Should I be doing this? Ponder the path of your feet, Scripture says in Proverbs 4. It actually says, carefully think about where those steps are going to take you. Do you want that end result? Really? Really? You know, think about, you know, when you're making your decisions, am I going to be able to lie down at peace tonight knowing I've done the right thing? God's pleased with me. 
Flesh always lives for the moment, you see. Like Esau, he sold his birthright, his inheritance, for a bowl of soup. He just wanted that instant. And that's always the way of the flesh. It wants the instant. Wisdom. I've got a definition of wisdom that I heard somebody else say. I thought it was really good. Wisdom is doing now what you'll be happy with later on. The thing is, we don't have to give in to the flesh. We can, but we don't have to. We don't have to feed it. If you feed a fleshly desire, not only will it grow, but it gets more established. PJ, years ago, we ran a training center, and she, um, she taught on the black dog and the brown dog in terms of one representing flesh, the other spirit. Whichever dog you feed will grow and dominate and actually start to rule. You know, if you feed your flesh, it will grow. And flesh will always take you to the point where your heart becomes hard and God becomes very distant and unreal and not kind of relevant to your days. And I found this scripture when I was uh, going through Proverbs the other day. It's a wow one. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. There's another proverb, I can't remember it. I don't remember the reference, but it talks about the suddenly. It's like everything seemingly, seemingly fine, and then suddenly, oh my goodness, calamity. Well, it started with a hardened heart. However, good news is, if we sow to the Spirit, we reap eternal life. And Jesus said in John 17, he told us what eternal life was. Eternal life is knowing him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Not the knowing, yes, the knowing of the word, vital, because without the word, we go into deception. But knowing the person through the word and with the word, through relationship we know him, through his word and through relationship with him. So you can say, You talk about him in a way like, not the one you know about, but the one you know, you know? And when that starts to happen, that's when things start to get exciting, you know? There's evidence of him. You've got a consciousness of him. And I I wrote this in my notes, and it's like you start to live with one eye on eternity. The enemy's plan is to get us so caught up with life the busyness of life that we don't even give one thought, one consideration for eternity. And again, this is um, a kind of quote that somebody else gave, but it's really good. It's like we climb the ladder of success, and success is different to different people. You know, people have different goals and different ideas of what success looks like, but climb the ladder of success only only to get to the top and discover your ladder's been leaning against the wrong building. Ha! That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? Spent all my life getting to the top, and now, look, I should have been over there. Most of us work. You know, if you're retired, you have more time to, you know, make his goal your goal. But in the context of our working lives and the responsibilities that we have, many of your parents... uh, with young children, and the Lord knows every detail of our lives, but within the context of that, if we want him to, he'll use us. Yes. Yes. 
he's amazing at finding a way. I am... Um, I've, well, I've got two, no, I haven't got two dogs. I've got a, a second dog now. But for over 12 years, I've had a dog, and I've always gone to the same dog groomer. And she's called Jane, and she's just so nice. And she's so nice with people, and she's so nice with dogs. Um, but just recently, really, in the last six months, um, she started cancelling appointments, and it's not like her at all. And I found out it's because she's got a health issue. And um, I oh, Lord, you know, I dropped Frankie off for his groom. God bless him and her. And, um, and I thought, do I say anything? Do I say anything? And I did, and I thought, oh, I missed it. You know, because she's telling me how she's been doing, and she's got to see a neurosurgeon. She keeps seeing flashing lights and getting dizzy. And she said, of course, that's no good with the dogs. And clippers. And um, anyway... And I went back in, and I thought, I can't not, you know, I, can't, I simply can't not say something here. And I said, Jane, you know I'm a Christian, she, yeah. I said, well, I believe God can heal you. She had her appointment with the specialist on Friday, Friday the 13th. She's all freaked out over that. And um, I said, I believe God can heal you. Um, would you like me to pray for you? thinking I go away and pray, but I let her know I'm praying. And she said, well, she said, I am open-minded. Uh, I cut to the chase, because this could be a long story. She started talking about ghosts and this, that, and the other. There's a ghost called George, lives over there, and all the dogs have seen him. And I thought, I'm not even going there. And I just said, Jane, I believe there's a, a dark side, as well as God who's good. I put it like that, I believe there's a dark side. You know, that's the reason bad things happen, because her dad, at the age of 16, he was a cricketer, bowled his best bowl ever and dropped dead with a heart attack. I said, and she said, and for that reason, you know, if God's good, why, the classic question, if God's good, why does bad things happen? And I said, Jane, I was 17, my dad was killed in a car accident. You know, there's a similarity there, the similar age, we lost our dads. And I said, as horrific as that was, that was a, the first sort of steps on a journey for me to discover if there is a God, I need to know him. Because life can be taken at any point. We all hope we live a long life. My dad was 42 when he died and her dad was 50. But I said, for me, it led me towards him, not away. And I said, I've discovered he is real and he is good. She said, I'd like you to pray came out, this was a total like shock for me, came out from behind the counter, closed her eyes and stood there like a child, holding her hands like that. I was like, oh Lord, I hope no customer comes in. <laughs> and I, I said, Jane, I'm gonna put my hand, I just, I'm gonna put my hand on your shoulder and just pray. I did. It was a very quick prayer and a very simple prayer. And I don't know from her facts what's happened, but I believe God's working. And he is, because she said to me, if God's real, I want him to prove it then. What a golden opportunity for him to prove it then, yes. you know? And there are so many opportunities, countless, aren't there? If we're willing just to take a step of faith and put our faith on the line, God will. And it feels risky, and it looks risky, but it's a bit like Peter on the edge of the boat. If you dare to go over the side, yes. that's where the miracles are. Yes. Jude verse 3 says this. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, 
I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. That's talking about the original faith. The original faith was not just words, it was power. Signs and wonders, evidence. And that's what we need to contend for. Why do we need to contend for it? Because of our flesh, the inward opposition, and the current we're swimming against, the outward opposition, you know? We can't be passive. That salmon could point itself in the right direction, but if it didn't swim, it'd still go back. I said to PJ uh, earlier in the week, I'm gonna use the example of the salmon. She said, oh, very good. Dead fish float downstream. And I thought, that's bang on. We need God active in us so we can do the journey. We've all got a journey. But if we're going to make it upstream, we need the life of God active. Romans 12 verse 1 says this. You'll know it well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why is it living? Because we're living ongoing, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is not something that the really enthusiastic ones do. It's the reasonable service for all God's people. You gave your life for me. I give my life to you. I think at times we do people a bit of a disservice when we, hopefully not, but you can make receiving Jesus not clear to people we don't just receive him he needs to receive us he's not the one we tag on and then pull out when we have a problem he's the most high God the one before whom we will all bow one day And your future self will really thank you if you apply this word, let me just tell you. Anyway, just saying. We need him to live for him. I'm sure you know that, but we really need, like the effervescence, life of the spirit, working in us. I've been thinking a lot about fire and how fire falls on sacrifice, the story I was going to turn there, but it's too long to read it, so I'm going to give you the really summarized version of Elijah. You know the story in 1 Kings 18, where there were 400 prophets of Baal, and he was the only prophet of the Lord left. And um, he said to them and, and to all the people, how long will you falter between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. I put that to you, that that's the word of the Lord right here, right now, today. If God is God, serve him. And and he said, what we're going to do is this. You prepare your altar. You prepare your sacrifice. You put the wood underneath. And I will do the same. But put no fire under it. You call on your God, and I will call on mine. My God is the God who answers by fire. Anyway, this was very agreeable to them. So they did their bit. They prepared the wood, the altar, they cut the bull in pieces and put it on. And they called on their God, and it says from early morning till late at night, nothing. 
And he answered not a word. And it actually says, I think this is an interesting detail in the story. Read it later, 1 Kings 18. They got to such a point, they were so desperate, they started to slash themselves with swords till the blood flowed. And I thought that same spirit working then continues to work to inspire our children, even adults, into self-harm and self-abuse. That's the spirit that's behind all of that. Anyway, nothing happened. So Elijah said to them, I will call on the God uh, who answers by fire. And basically, he prayed and said, Lord, let it be known to all these people who you are and who is God, that their hearts may be turned back to you. Anyway, fire fell. Picture the scene if you can. And they fell. God is God. There it was. John the Baptist, we're going to move to Luke 1, verse 17. John the Baptist operated in the same spirit as Elijah. It was prophesied about him. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Same spirit, you see, different body. Same spirit, different body. Come on, here we are, flesh and blood. Same spirit, different body. He will go on in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's the cry of the Spirit wanting to operate in us and through us, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And the people uh, wondered and sort of questioned among themselves, is he the Messiah then? Is this the one we've been waiting for? Who will restore Israel? And it says in uh, Luke 3, verse 15, The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. They're still waiting, you see, the Jews. They're still waiting for the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. When the Holy Spirit is active, There's fire. And every kind of physical symbol that's described through the scriptures is it's put there for a reason. It's like the physical characteristics of that thing are there to explain how the spiritual reality is. Fire physically is hot. There's an energy to it. If you put fuel on it, it increases. The Holy Spirit in us wants and needs really to be active, hot, energy, energetic. We need to put the fuel on because we need the increase, because of this tide we're swimming against. And I'm mixing analogies there, but you get my point. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, some of you here probably were baptized in the Spirit many, many years ago. We need that fire stoking. I need it. We all need it. But if we provide the sacrifice, you see, we do our part. He provides the fire. He puts the passion back in. Years ago, I hope I'm not giving too many kind of analogies here, but these physical things help explain spiritual dynamics. I had one of those self-propelled lawnmowers. I don't know if you've ever had one of them. 
uh, but they're surprising things. And um, you, you switched it on, and instead of pushing it, you were taken. Right? You, I could never mow the lawn in a straight line. It was very arty, creative, just all over. But anyway, it was quite amazing. It's like you put it on, you're taken for a ride, you go. The Holy Spirit in us wants to be that inner pull, right? So when the Holy Spirit's active, there's no need to push from behind. There's a pull from within. He will pull you to a prayer meeting. He will pull you to your connect group. He'll pull you and say, come on, sign up, get on a rotor. They need you. Be helpful, you know? God's given us all free will. And that was a risk, frankly, wasn't it? Because if you can do good, you can do evil. If you can choose the right thing, you can choose the wrong thing. But, you know, he didn't want a toy world pulling the strings because where would the joy be in that for him or us? Really, the joy he's designed for himself and for us is that joy of freely choosing him. I choose to worship. You chose to worship him this morning. I choose to follow you, King Jesus. We need to use our will to choose his will. Really, and then he'll be glorified. If we will choose our will, if we will use our will to choose his will, he will be glorified, not conform to the pattern of this world. You know, if you want to be a real deal disciple, you can't do what everybody else does, right? That's just how it is. You live to please the one who's enlisted you. Come on, thank you for that, that's right. Yes, it is. Romans 12, 2 says this, you know it well. Do not be conformed then to this world, because that Mold is always trying to be put on you, and you've got to get it off. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will prove what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. I heard this quote, and I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been C.S. Lewis. He said, if you go for heaven, you'll get earth as well. Like, he's so good. He can't, you can't outgive God. He simply won't have it. That you live for him, the blessings are going to chase you. However, if you go for earth, you'll miss heaven. Choose this day whom you will serve. So how does this work out then in practice? Romans 12 verse 1, living as a sacrifice. How does it work out? Does he want a physical death? Well, that would be ridiculous. He needs us on earth. It's about our yeses and our noes. This is what this oil boils down, oil all boils down to. Yes to him and no to me. But we've got to live this out one day at a time. God says there's grace for today. There's only grace to live one day at a time. But if we will submit to him today, instead of planning it all out ourselves without him, He'll work in your thoughts, he'll work in your will, he'll even work in your emotions. And there's a brilliant scripture in um, Proverbs 16 that says this, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Another, another translation says, roll your thoughts over to him or your works and your thoughts will be established. Now, if you have young children who are going to be active from the minute you get out of bed, 
I'm sure many of you do this already, but just spend an extra five minutes once you wake. Just commit the day to him. Lord, let today be how you want it. Fill it the way you want it. Let me be how you want it. Um, and then you have a great idea and you think, oh, it's like, well, hang on a minute. No, that was him. He's establishing your thoughts. And he really does respond to our invitations, doesn't he? If you start your day conscious of him, it's so much easier to live right. If you start your day conscious of him, it's so, so much more easy to do the thing he, things he wants. And it's easier for him to then break into our thoughts uh, and our plans. And my gosh, he needs to. You know, I think... I've done it, and I think we can all do it at times. We wear this invisible do not disturb sign around our necks, you know, like the sort of sign you hang on your hotel door. Not today, Lord. And he's like, okay, he'll never force you because he's given us free will. But if we will make ourselves available, provide the natural, he provides the supernatural. Really, and it's his life that people need to touch and feel. I was reading the end of Luke. Oh my goodness, that's an eye-opener all by itself. It's after the resurrection, Jesus appeared in his resurrection body, seemingly walked through the wall. Andy Howes was talking about this the other weekend. And um, it's like he wasn't there and then he was. And he says, peace be with you. They're all, like, are you kidding? My heart's going, uh, you know, quick, quicker than it was. And um, he says, look, Touch, I'm real. Is there anything here to eat? Let me prove it. And they gave him some broiled fish, which he ate before them. Anyway, to cut a long story short, it then says, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And I just prayed that prayer, Lord, open my mind to understand the scriptures. Because everything that's been prophesied in this book through the law and the prophets will literally be fulfilled. And I turned the page, and it went from the Gospel of Luke to John. And it says in John 1, verse 4, I had this underlined in my Bible. In him, Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. It hit me like a train. I don't know why I'd never seen it like this before. And I just kept saying, the life's the light. The life, his life. that's the light. If there isn't life active in us, there is no light. Woe to you, he said, if the light in you becomes dark, because that darkness is very great. But the life's the light. And then I had this thought. But unless there's death, there's no life. Physically, if there's life, there's bound to be a death. Spiritually, it works in reverse. If there's a death, There's bound to be life. Come on. No to self. Yes to him. Using my will to choose his will. Discovering life in all its fullness. His life in your life. Working through your personality. Working through your days. Working through your body. There's a lot at stake. Because people need to encounter the real Jesus. Really, you know to be saved. They need to encounter and and very often it starts by meeting a known need like Jane, you know, and we all have people that we live and work with 
friends, neighbours, family, they all have real pressing now known needs. And very often that's an inroad in. God will meet them in their trouble to show that he's good and that he's real. And who knows where we're at on the timeline? You know, in terms of eternity, I think we are at the beginning of the very end. You know, like the old cassette tapes, when you pressed fast forward or rewind, when it got to the very end, it speeded. And I think it's, we're kind of going into those days. God has placed Israel in the center of nations to be a signpost throughout history of where we're at. Ten days ago, they were living normal lives, eating, drinking, dancing at a concert. Now, many of them are without homes. They're fighting for their lives. I'm going to invite you to stand. I said to the Lord, I don't, in a way, almost know how to end this, living for his purpose in our days, on purpose. And I had these three points came to me, these prayer points, really. Because, of course, this has to be, we can make it, we can pray here and now, but this got to be, you've got to put feet on it and live it out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and into next week. But I had these three prayer points. Firstly, I choose you. Count me in. My all for your all. I want to make myself available, really. My will chooses your will. That's number one. Secondly, to be free to run. And I think so often... Well, the prayer is deliver me from evil. Sometimes we choose the things, wrong things, knowingly and intentionally. Okay, that's the nature of flesh if we give into it. But sometimes wrong things can be put on us. You know, things just land on you, trouble, and it slows you down. At times it can grind us to a halt. That's what the enemy does through circumstances. So the things you choose and the things you didn't choose, Lord, deliver me from that. So I'm free to run. And then finally, point three, your schedule then, Lord, for my days. I want to commit my works to you, establish my thoughts, put your thoughts in my head. So I just, um, Ash, if you wouldn't mind just kind of ministering uh, to the Lord. I just want to encourage you, because nobody can do this but you, for you, just to take those three points. And in this, just take this moment now just to pray. Don't pray it if you don't mean it. But if you mean it, I encourage you to pray it. You will live your best life from here on in if you commit to this. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaith.com. SW.com